Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Welcome to our runner episode. Today we'll be talking to Noah Weinman of Runner about his latest record called Always Repeating. It's a great record. If you haven't had a chance yet, you can check that record out before we start just to kind of have some um, some idea of what the interview will be about. But we're going to actually just kind of keep it pretty general today. We'll be asking a lot of questions just generally about Runner, about this new record, about old records, and also uh, about new stuff and tours coming up uh, for Noah as well. So um, it's a great episode. We really feel like you guys will enjoy it. So, Nate, you ready to jump into it? Hell yeah. Today we have the pleasure of having Noah Weinman of Runner with us as we discuss his recently released incredible record, Always Repeating. Noah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk with us about the new record. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Noah, as we start, mainly because Andrew and I are hard to talk to, which is great because we're interviewers, we like to kind of break the ice Um, you know, we Googled some quick icebreakers, uh, and hopefully you'll, you're the one sharing, so hopefully we'll like you better, but the idea is for you to like us better and not be like, these guys are asking these really intense, terrible questions. So they're this or that, a few quick fires, all right? All right. All right. So I'm specifically talking about toast. And I'm going to add a third option right now. I'm improvising. Okay. So jelly or butter, or I'm going to add or like X, because I know there's so many different other spreads. So what's your what's your toast spread? Um. Well, I feel like jelly over butter, but um, fish over anything else. Oh, like, shoot. Which I used to think was kind of a weird toast option because, like, I usually do it with, like, anchovies or sardines. But uh-huh. that's not too far away from, like, lox or yeah anything like that. Um, so probably fish. I don't eat dairy, so butter's an easy one. To just yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cut it out. I'm glad you added the X there, Nate. Otherwise, it would have just been jelly and we wouldn't have gotten this whole fish conversation. I know. I'm... I've got to try the fish. What, if you don't mind asking, like, yeah. what, what type of fish? Um, I just like getting like a tin of like sardines or um, anchovies and just doing it like that um, with maybe like some greens and some hot sauce. Ooh, fancy yeah. toast guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> going to be our post interview uh, snack. I just have to run to the store quick, but like, <laughs> some fancy toast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that fancy. Like the tin is the same as a jar of jelly in a lot of places. Yeah. It just feels weird. Yeah. At first. Yeah. It's elevated. It yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're at a movie theater. Would you rather sneak in candy or buy it there? Definitely sneak in candy. Mm-hmm. But I, I wasn't really a candy person. I I used to do this a lot as a kid. There was like a burrito place that I liked. Ooh, yeah, across like from the movie theater. Yeah, so I used to get the burrito and put it in my backpack and like 
they're not gonna check like a 14 year old's backpack at a movie theater so yeah burrito in the backpack that's my key. my wife and i definitely got some Moe's burritos and took them in the theater once and Mm -hmm. we didn't realize how packed the movie was going to be it was sold out (laughs) and so we're in like the back row and luckily we were in the corner but like movie starts and we're just like unwrinkling this like aluminum foil (laughs) and the lady next to us who were like dude she's like we're totally busted she leans over it and she's like that smells great. Where'd you guys get that? And she's like <laughs> making conversation about the burrito like during the movie. So, uh, oh, so man. I think we were fine, but I think everyone in that theater knew what burritos we got. So, was it like eating a burrito in a movie theater can be hard if the burrito architecture isn't there? Yeah, yeah. It it was pretty decent. Okay. I I can't remember honestly. My memory is more more this lady than the burrito architecture. But that's a great question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're a better interviewer than I am, Noah. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember, like, my burrito, it wasn't the best burrito that I would get. Like, I would hold off on getting, like, the salsa I really wanted just because if it was any wetter, it'd be a disaster in the movie theater. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Baseball parks or national parks? National parks. Um, Yeah. I can, I was in Yosemite a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. And um, one of my best friends growing up is now a park ranger in Tahoe. And oh, we went to go cool. see him. And that was really cool. That's not a national park, but yeah. it's a park. Yeah. All right. Ocean or mountains? Um, Probably mountains. Uh, yeah. I like the ocean. Like, I grew up in L.A. I like being in water that's a little bit too cold and like kind of being thrown around the waves i don't surf or anything like that Mm -hmm. but i think i prefer hiking to like any of those activities no you just body surf (laughs) (laughs) all right sorry um spring or fall (laughs) um fall i prefer to be too cold than too warm and um, that's why you're living in la yeah you know it sucks like i when i was in ohio when i i was in like new york for a lot of the pandemic last year and i used to live in rhode island like all my favorite clothes are like coats and stuff so i just dress way worse in la all right this is a little bit deeper all right honesty or others feelings Ooh, it really depends on the person I think that, like, in general, if I'm being selfish, I care more about others' feelings because that's, like, kind of the path of least resistance. But for relationships that matter, I really try to lean into the honesty. That's why I tell Andrew's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and it hurts my feelings so much. I'm being the asshole. All right. Um, reading or writing? Hmm. Sorry, this is only if you're literate, which I'm assuming is the case. Uh, yeah, semi, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely write more than I read, I think. But, like, I I write in my journal every day as just, like, exercise. But I feel like reading is the more pleasurable activity. But I don't know. That's a hard one. I guess I would say reading. Recording or playing live? Ooh, I think that 
playing live was like always how I used to love music and recording was always how I used to hate music. (laughs) It was so frustrating for me. And I think that like, you know, the, the, the thrill of playing a great show is like a, a really nice peak, but then like sometimes you go home and you kind of like get down on yourself. I feel like when you've like made a great recording, especially when I haven't shown it to anybody else and I just get to keep it like that lasts for a long time. <laughs> yeah. um, so one's like the, the quick up and then the come down and then the other one's kind of like the more sustained. Uh, okay. Side a, you don't need to share this. This is a little bit, and we'll, we'll also do one thing similar to this at the end, but uh-huh. side a or side B just in general. No, your record, my record. You mean, I guess you haven't seen it. There is no side A and side B. Because it's short enough? No, no, no. It's side triple tilde and side triple slash. <laughs> oh, okay. So side triple tilde or, sla- or side sh- triple slash. Sorry, it's a tongue twister. Yeah. Um, probably side triple tilde because that's like, I guess technically that's side A of that record. Um those are the older songs, the ones that I'm like re-recording now. And they're like, you know, they're the first runner songs, essentially. Um, so they're always gonna be special. And like a couple of the songs are even older than runner as a project. Um, so you kind of just can't beat that. Yeah. All right. So for this final one, um, just quick backstory. We had mentioned mm-hmm. this pre-interview, but Nate is from near Boston. I'm from near Philly. And so we're just going to ask Boston or Philly. Boston. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> hey, that's fine. I had a good early run, but Nate's Nate's uh, Nate's coming back here recently. No joke, Noah. We uh-huh. went like 12 or 13 interviews to start. All Philly. Philly, 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 yeah. Philly. Everyone. I really haven't spent nearly as much time in Philly. You're blessed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Philly's great. And I guess, like, if I eat cheese, then I could, like, actually oh, have a cheesesteak and feel like I could enjoy that. That's true. But instead, I just go for the, the seafood. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, Good on reason. toast, baby. Let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So before we dive deep into the record specifically, we wanted to ask some more general questions about your overall approach with music. So most of your songs are both bare and really dense at the same time. They're moments Mm -hmm. of simplicity driven by one or two instruments that bloom into lush, almost orchestral booming instrumentals. You use a ton of different instruments and production elements as well. You're also a super talented lyricist. So how does the average runner song grow from an idea or that first note to a fully formed track? I think that, you know, there's a way that I like for the songs to go. Or if I feel like, you know, I'm really like inspired on all levels and I have to be like methodical in getting this idea out. And that usually starts with the title of the song. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, I write so many things title first because I feel like I'm always writing. Like there's always like a couplet that comes into like my journal or something. And like, I always have like chords and like different melodies that I'm throwing around, but like 
that all feels like pre-writing and nothing really helps. Like the first thing where I feel like a song itself is starting to take shape is when I get a title yeah, and then I'll be like, Oh, like that's a good title. Um, and then like these lyrics kind of fit within that theme and then I'll kind of just like run with that. Cause I want to like have the theme of the song kind of set up and then I can like plug in the different emotions. So it usually starts like that guitar, uh, vocals, like come after like some initial lyrics and some title. And then, yeah, they get kind of intense. Dense is a good <laughs> word for it like, in the recording process. Cause I'll just track guitar and vocals and then I'll just like build the song around that. And for a while it was easier for me to put in too much. And like, I've really had to work to try to pare down some of my musical ideas, especially cause I'm not the best mix engineer, but I'm also like really particular about my mixes. So I want to do them myself. Yeah. <laughs> so if I have like too many things and I can't mix it well, then I need to start taking out instruments until I can get it to a place that sounds good. Yeah. One thing you said, Noah, that really intrigued me is like with you sharing about the journal journaling earlier and then like certain like couplets coming out and your lyrics are very, a lot of the times very like confessional, very like they seem like they could come out of a journal. How's that? How much do you look to your journaling time? If you don't mind sharing, because I know journaling yeah. times can be personal and stuff. Mm -hmm. Also as writing songs and sharing. Them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But how much of that journaling time do you kind of head into it hoping a song will come out of it or inspiration for a song or a certain lyrics? Or how much of it is just like a personal exercise? And how, how do you like navigate that relationship for like trying to be honest with the journal while still like maybe trying to like come up with songs? Like I can imagine that could be a very difficult line to walk. Yeah, I think that like when I really made like a concerted effort to start journaling every day. It was with the intent of trying to like pull lyrics out of it. Um, but then that felt that's, that started not to feel as good. You know, it's hard when you like live this kind of lifestyle where you're just like commodifying every aspect of your personal life. Um, so I, I lean away from that sometimes. And like, if I just want to like write about like, what I did that day and have it not be like profound or structured like that. Um, I'll let that happen. I think that it, it can be helpful uh, in terms of just like getting in touch with emotional language. Like I'll just like say something or write something out and be like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. I'll like think about that later and maybe it'll like become a lyric um, and if I don't have that much to write, like I, I do one page in my notebook. I have one here. It's like kind of a small stenographer's pad. Oh, yeah. nice. And like, I'll just write like one page. Um, and if I don't feel like I have enough that I like did or want to talk about to fill that page, then I'll write like some like heavily structured poetry, like haiku or sinquain or like something that, um, 
forces me to like meet a finite line count um just so it like comes more quickly and i don't have i don't like fret about what i'm gonna say but i don't know i don't know how much it really translates directly i guess i'm 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 talking myself in no, circles no yeah. it's, just, it's just very interesting because like yeah journaling on one hand is meant to be this like personal helpful thing and yet your music career obviously that's personal helpful too but you're trying to like achieve things and mm -hmm. those two can kind of be out of balance at times and yet your journal would have some of your most honest words which you'd want to have in a and so anyways i just thought that relationship so interesting. yeah i think that there is definitely a lot of that i think like yeah it's i think more about just like getting in touch with like specific language because i tend not to write about like a specific event as much um I like my songs are all kind of like pieced together memories that aren't exactly like maybe the most literal thing to my life. Um, but journaling definitely plays into that. Cause I'll be like, Oh, like that's like a, some small anecdote, but then like, it won't be the song itself. It'll just be a bit of like another song. So I think a lot of our fascination moving on to always repeating mm -hmm. is centered on how it was constructed conceptually the record is a combination of two releases. Mm -hmm. Your one of one EP, which mm -hmm. was released last year in 2020. Thank God it's over. Though <laughs> they also thank God this rec this EP came out, and then your debut record, A Wash. Essentially, you picked five songs off of A Wash, mm -hmm. re-recorded them, and then combined those five with all five from one of one. So what inspired that approach for you to make this record? Um, I think that it was a little bit of like pragmatism. Yeah. Uh, in that, that first record, like a wash, um, really felt like a thing that I needed to make at the time, but I also don't know if I was ready to make it a at the time like I liked the songs that I wrote for that album but it was also the album that I was teaching myself how to produce on like I mixed that on like a single like crappy PA speaker in my garage um and I didn't know anything about recording or like I just knew that I wanted to do it um so they didn't they turned out as good as I could have imagined at the time, but then like after making the fan on EP and then the one of one EP, I started to look back at those recordings and be like, I really like those songs and I just wish I had done them better. Um, so it was nice then when I started talking to run for cover, like thinking about like something to come out sooner so that then I could like work on like, like a proper debut album um, and I just really like was happy to have the opportunity to revisit some of those songs. It was hard to like, it's a 10 track album and I just picked five. Um, and I don't know if that means that like I'm leaving behind the other five forever, but, uh, I really wanted that opportunity just to like do them better. And that we were also looking for a way for me to have like a more immediate release for 
So it just it just worked out nicely that way. Yeah, I think with the like wondering if the songs are dead, I I don't know, and and music especially especially like the indie scene, like you don't know how certain artists or people are connected, but they are. Um, and so I know you're somewhat connected with Pine Grove, at least some type of like there's this knowledge of the, they follow you or I don't know. But Evan, do you do you follow Pine Grove's career at all? I do. Evan will and the band will kind of reuse songs from like way back on newer records that don't really have much. Um, and I just different bands. I don't know. You never you never know whether those songs will be dead or not. Yeah, um, I think that that's a good example. And yeah, you, I do. There are other bands, and I think like that that do that that take old material and redo it. Um, so I might find a place to sprinkle it in. What's also hard is that like these songs, like they just feel like from such another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 hard for me to imagine myself going back to them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's more what I'm worried about, but it is good to know that like, if I am like coming up short on an album or something, <laughs> I've got these extra songs. Yeah, that's true. But if you listen to that album, there's some weird songs that you'd be like, oh, this sounds really different from like what it sounds like now. So with Awash, and you kind of mentioned this but you also kind of mentioned about like a proper debut. I don't know how you're viewing always repeating, but I was wondering for you and maybe it's no with a wash. First off, it's not on the internet really. I'm sure it's somewhere on the internet. It's on Bandcamp. All right, it's on Bandcamp. Yeah. But it's not on Spotify or like any of those other streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of view always repeating almost as like a second debut for you where you're like, kind of starting new again or like trying I don't like how do you kind of view this record in light of that especially with it not really being as accessible and you're reusing songs yeah um I think of it as a kind of debut you know it's like my label debut but beyond that I don't know I think that like the title is kind of a nod to the fact that it is a compilation. Um, and that these are like songs that I'm like, you know, these songs are just what, what live in my bag. Like I just carry them around everywhere. Um, so like they really, it doesn't feel new to me. And like, sometimes I forget that like, this whole album thing is happening because I'm like, I'm kind of like into writing like whatever this next record's going to be that are songs that are maybe more immediate. But then what I found in going back to these songs was that like they still felt really relevant to me and they caught me at this interesting, you know, kind of cycle in my life of I'd first written all the Awash songs like when I left college um, and I just felt like really far from everyone. And then there were like a lot of similarities between that and you know probably most people's experiences during the pandemic of just feeling really far from everyone and I think like Runner as a project really came out of that place of um attempting to reconnect with a kind of world that I felt estranged from through music um and I do think that there's 
something really cyclical about that, like um, that I that I reach out and I find myself in the world and I'm in it and then like I I pull myself away for whatever reason. Um, but as far as debut goes, I don't know. The first album kind of felt like a debut, but then it felt like I had too much to say for no one listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this will be interesting because I imagine most people who hear this record will probably not have they they wouldn't have heard Wash when it was on streaming and stuff. So how did you go about picking the five songs you wanted from a Wash? And did you go back and forth in making those decisions? Not necessarily. I think that like there were a couple that I knew I was gonna do. I knew I was gonna do monochrome. I knew I was gonna do a wash. I knew I was gonna do trundle bed. I knew I was gonna do urgent care. Um, because those to me are like, you know, those are the songs that I still play live all the time. Um, they still feel really relevant to me lyrically, and I had concrete ideas for how I wanted to do it better than the first time I did it. Um, Body surfing was one that I really was unsure about. It was like the first runner song that I recorded and kind of like my first aha moment of like, oh, I could use a drum machine and like that'll that'll work because I don't play drums, but I can play like everything else. Um, And I didn't really know what to do with it in 2020 because pretty much every song I've released after that album includes acoustic guitar, banjo, stuff like that. That original recording was like only electric guitars and like a lot of like weird, like MIDI synths that I was using. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then I was just like, what if I did try it with banjo and acoustic guitar? And then I put some electric guitar in it and it ended up turning out pretty nicely. Like I'm happy with how it turned out. Um, so that, that made five. And then I attempted a sixth and it was just the outro from a different song. It was a song called, um, clay. So caked from a wash. And I thought the, the song itself was whatever, but it had this outro that I really liked that was like kind of mathy. And I, I felt like maybe this album was like missing that like mathy element. Yeah. Yeah. Um, too much science, but, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but it 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 just didn't work out. I I couldn't I couldn't make it the way I wanted, and it also like kind of disrupted the like even five five ness yeah. of the the record. So I let it be. Was there ever a thought to mix up the track listing, or was it always your intention to keep the song separate? I think it was my intention to keep the song separate because they were made pretty differently. Um, I talked about mixing before. I didn't mix one of one. Um, and I think it sounds great. Like, I know I was saying that, like, I get really picky about mixing, but I think my friend Derek who mixed it did a really good job. Um, but I did want to mix these five also because it was like the pandemic and yeah. it just <laughs> seemed like so much more trouble than it was worth to try to like go back and forth if I couldn't actually be in the room with the person. Um, so I just really wanted to like lean into myself through these songs. And in doing that, I kind of like, they kind of had to be separate at that point because it it might sound funny to go from one to the other. 
And I felt like the track listing from 101 was how I wanted those songs to flow. So then I I played around with the different track listing for um, the Awash re-records a little bit, but only within that five-song frame. I think what's really impressive about that is I just assumed, to be honest, that whatever you did with One of One is the exact same thing you did with the Awash songs. And so just for like cohesive, I was like, oh, for cohesiveness sake, I'm sure that was the approach. But especially for you, like leaving those songs behind in a certain sense, partially due to your like production skills at that time to kind it's almost it's like kind of poetic, like your growth personally, not even though there's the same songs it's your growth as a producer kind of and as a mixer which is really cool so as we're talking about you seem like a big production guy how fun was it to go back and do the awash tracks and what were the difficulties of the re-recordings that's a good question um it was it was very fun i think because i get really excited about recording songs when i've written them and I sometimes find myself making the recording too early and like I'll get like married to a certain version of it um, and I won't be as open to like little changes that maybe come along the way. Um, but these Awash songs were, you know, I'd been playing them live for four years and um, like I knew what they were more um so it was nice in that like i felt it felt more like i was just like i just had to focus on the production side like the writing had already happened whereas a lot of the time like i tend to do the two at the same time um but then you know there's a lot of difficulty within that um things that i had you know kind of grown fond of in the original recording however, you know, messy it may have been, like certain ideas that I liked that I did ultimately have to leave behind because it wasn't really serving the new recording that I was making. Um, So there were some decisions that were made that were not made easily. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. So lyrically, you deal a lot with... Uh, nostalgia and reminiscing kind of both the good and bad of the past Mm -hmm. does that aspect of your lyrics play at all into titling the record always repeating kind of like there's this habit of returning to the past which causes you to feel like you're never truly moving forward or moving on yeah definitely um i think that um something something that I used to talk about in like therapy a lot was like trying to stay present because I think that I I will avoid my current situation by like either projecting into the past or like into the future um but and I think those both kind of play into the songs um but yeah I think that in writing I definitely I'm interested a lot in memory um, and like what we remember because it, it's 
so much of the time involuntary like we've we've kind of subconsciously assigned meaning to certain moments and i think that i'm always curious about like what makes those moments and that's what i'm trying to get at in these songs so uh the album cover transitioning uh mm-hmm. is such a beautiful collage of these two distinct uh tree images um and then I'm assuming you're in the middle. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> the face was covered. Didn't want to assume. Yeah. And you're drinking something out of a mug. Um, but what was the inspiration for the artwork and how did it kind of come into being? Um, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, so the photos in that album cover are two photos of trees that I took um, about my first camera last year, just like a really simple point and shoot. And I've just been having a lot of fun, um, like going and taking pictures. And the thing that I find that I'm like the most interested in, in a photographic sense is the way like sunlight looks through trees. Yeah. So I have so many photos of trees. <laughs> <laughs> um and then I wanted to do like something that felt really like homemade and like kind of like I had sketched it out. So I initially made this um, album cover that was like a couple photos thrown on like a wooden desk. Um, and I sent it to the label and they were kind of like, this is okay. <laughs> they were they were really nice about it, but they're like, there's some ideas here that like we think could be elevated. Yeah. Um, and I get it. Like I'm not a graphic designer. I just like and you know, they wanna they wanna sell a record to someone who's gonna just like show up at the store and be like, oh, what's this cover? Um, so they paired me up with this uh graphic designer, um, this guy Russell, and I I was kind of hesitant because it's hard for me to collaborate sometimes. Um, but I also know that like, this is really out of my, my wheelhouse. And like, this is, this is going to be a real thing that like people are going to spend money on. Um, so I can't just like be like, Oh, la di da. Like I drew a flower and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I sent Russell some pictures that I had taken and then this other picture that my friend Nick had taken. Um, and that's me in my kitchen when I lived in Providence, um, which felt important because that's where I was living at the time that a wash came out. Um, and, um, then we like went back and forth with, um, some different ideas and I really got into that like collage idea that he had been making um and then we were also going back and forth about like my own comfort with putting my face on the cover because like i like performing and i like you know being an artist and like a lot of the stuff that like comes with that but then i also have a hard time like doing the like the face thing We're that sorry. I think, yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's fine like this when I'm talking to people, like I, cause that's the thing. It's like, I'm not necessarily a super shy person. 
I just don't always love having like my picture on everything. Yeah. No, but then I also want that like sense of intimacy that comes when you buy a record and you feel like you really know the person or when you listen to a record. Um, not trying to make it sound like it's all about the bucks here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, I, I, I just like, it wasn't even like that much of a conversation. I just kind of like, you know, I write these like really long rambling emails to everybody on my team sometimes. And I, I'm assuming that Russell saw that and took that to note, but honestly could have been a coincidence, but I just thought the way that he like covered my face like that felt like a really nice embodiment of like what I was trying to say. Like I want to be there and I want to like have that connection with the listener, but then I'm also like not trying to just like have my face on everything. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is in the upcoming like shows and everything, you're going to start wearing a mask. I could do the Sia thing. Exactly. Or... Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, you're like, yeah. Tw- you're like the pandemic showed me that masks are awesome. Yeah. Masks are awesome. <laughs> Indie rock MF doom. <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> So you recently signed to Run For Cover, which is one of our favorite record labels. So we were really stoked to see uh, that pairing when you re-released Awash as a single and made the album announcement. So how did your relationship with Run For Cover come about? I guess through like a couple different ways. Personally, my relationship with their with the label came from like being a fan. You know, I... Uh, I like their cat. I like their catalog. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really like Field Medic. And yeah. um, we saw the covers really cool. Thanks. Of house uh, House Keys. Yeah, that was fun. Um, making that weird video in the <laughs> bowling alley parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you, got, you looked like you were having fun. Yeah, I was having fun. It was a good time. Um, and I was stoked when they signed like another Michael. Oh, yeah. Um, That's one of my favorite records of the year, for sure. Yeah. And um, Mini Trees, uh, I think, is amazing. And, like, Lexi and I have played shows together here in L.A., and it's cool that, like, we get to be on the same label now. Um, quick, quick announcement. We have an episode with Lexi and Mini Trees. <laughs> Go listen to it on her <laughs> latest EP, uh, please. Yeah, it's not all about the clicks or the, it's just, (laughs) we want to share her music. (laughs) (laughs) Little plug. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, Smooth. um, Yeah, but then I guess on like a technical level, um, my booking agent books like other bands on Run For Cover, like Field Medic and another Michael. And then I started working with a new manager over the summer and... He was like, um, you know, it seems like a lot of bands you like or like that you want to play with are like on this label run for cover. Like I might just like hit them up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, like I doubt that that's going to turn into anything. Yeah. And then like, you know, sometime in September, it was like, all right, here's, here's a deal. And uh, yeah, it just, it just kind of went from there. So you do have both an early fall UK tour and an early winter US tour booked. If you had to describe your anticipation of tour in one word, what would it be? Um, Sorry, one worders are tough. Put one words are tough. Uh, 
there's there's no word for for what I'm thinking of. Yeah. I guess like um just share what you're thinking then. Okay, I'm going to say if I but I got I want to do one word. I want to play the okay. game. Okay, correctly. play the game. All right. Yeah, Andrew, I want to say I want to break the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say dreamlike, Ooh. but in like a very uh kind of grounded sense okay. in the like it doesn't feel real and not even in like a sparkly way like oh my god it doesn't feel real like yeah. <laughs> I, re- I i on some level i have not really fathomed the fact that i will be on the road and playing shows again and like there's part of me that wonders if it's just like not gonna happen at the last minute um but then there's part of me that's also really excited so like i think that you know the more cliche dreamlike meaning also stands <laughs> So we usually don't ask questions like this when a record's released, um, mm-hmm. but it's hard not to technically when there's no new songs on this record. So you must be working on new stuff, yes, right? And not to get not to get ahead of things, people listen to this record. Be thankful for the music artists make. They are not vessels of your desires <laughs> that are able to please they're not their purpose isn't to please you however that being said we are selfish beings often um if you don't mind sharing are you working on new stuff and what type of again this you can totally say skip what type of direction do you feel like these new songs are moving in um potentially comparably to other stuff you've written um yeah i'm definitely working on new stuff i'm looking at my uh bulletin board over here but if i can do this without fucking it up like i keep like Ooh, yeah nice. so solving crimes and writing songs <laughs> <laughs> um that's just like i have like a thing for each track that i'm thinking about for this record and then like some songs are like definitely in that slot and then other ones i have like maybe these four songs could all fit into that um and i guess this new record it's definitely familiar territory um i think uh did you guys listen to uh the microphones in 2020 no that one song one 42 minute song album (laughs) it it was my favorite music thing that was made that came out last year um Oh, we gotta go listen to it. Highly, highly recommend. Seriously, Um, that must suck for streams. It's not even on Spotify. Okay. Yeah, you watch it on YouTube. There's a video that goes with it. It like it really made me cry. Okay. Um, But there's one part. There's one part in it where um, he sings like, I don't remember the exact line, but it's essentially like I've been writing the same song for my entire life, Um, and I really identified with that because I do think that like so much of the music I write is about like trying to connect and wondering why I can't when I want to. Um, And I think that these songs um, definitely live in that same kind of nostalgic territory, but maybe merge it more into things that are more recent in my life. Um, and just about like more honing in on like 
my relationships and the way that I communicate um, seems to be kind of the theme of this record. Um, and they'll be the last part to the uh, the sublet trilogy. So sublet and then new sublet. And then on this record, there's going to be another sublet. Now, like another sublet or are you waiting? Are you trying to figure out what that word is? No, it's going to be another. Okay. <laughs> another Michael should do a cover. Um, yeah. All right. Lastly, before we go, and uh-huh. again, thank you so much. We quickly like to share our favorite track. Now, Noah, feel free not to share if you don't want to hurt any of the other track's feelings. Okay. But uh, Andrew and I will go first to give you time to think over what your favorite track is or if you even want to answer. So, Andrew, what's your favorite track? Yeah. Um, It's interesting because there's not technically new tracks, so you could pick something just based on the sound differences. But for me, I hadn't actually ever listened to a wash. So for me, there were five new songs uh, on this. And I really like Monochrome. I also feel like where it fits uh, in the track listing is great because it kind of introduces um, newer, older, I guess, the revisited sound um, to it. And I think it works great on the record. So I feel like the placement of just kind of right away you're you're uh you're pulled in and i love what you did with that song so um still not actually having the context of of a wash which now knowing it's on Bandcamp, i can go uh go listen to the original and compare but i think that's mm-hmm. a great track so i'm gonna pick monochrome uh nate how about you yeah so for me i actually found you through my friend kevin uh and Kevin was like, hey, you got to listen to this EP. It was 101. And I really like fell in love with your style from the jump with Heliotrope and loved the EP. But for me, it transcended a little bit to like another level when I heard your name on a grain of rice. I think that song for me is just so powerful not just i mean definitely instrumentally but (laughs) also lyrically and it's a type of song where you're like and i mean again i really liked all the other songs i've grown to like them even more but it was that song where you're like oh shit like this is special and this artist is special so it kind of like spurred my fandom for you which gives it a special place too in that sense so yeah that's cool (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you guys connected with it. Um, I'll answer that question. Um, I think for me, it's, it's also monochrome. I think that that, that was like the first song that I wrote that was going to be a runner song. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has like a, a very special place to me. Um, and like anyone that's seen us live, like we always closed with it. Um, because it was just like I didn't really like have anything else to I felt like I didn't have anything else to say after that one. Um, <laughs> and it just it feels like the the starting point for the rest of the project. Um, and that's not to say that like I love all the songs and they all like fit in. but if I have to choose one, it's like the one that that kind of feels like it started it all. Um, and 
Yeah, I used to sell uh, shirts. I think they're going to come back. They don't even say runner. They just say uh, talking shit about our friends and eating chicken. (laughs) (laughs) And like when I was a waiter and like playing little gigs, like it was cool to like be able to sell a couple of those shirts, even if people didn't like the music. Like at a certain point, people just wanted the shirt. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Um, It's all about the money, man. But um, I just, I don't know. I think that that song just, it's not even the oldest song. Like Trundle Bed, Urgent Care, I wrote before, but they didn't feel like they had like a place to to be until I wrote Monochrome. And then I was like, oh, like this is, these are these more like vulnerable songs that I I want to keep exploring. Yeah. Well, again, Noah, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate the time and your generosity and sharing so much cool information about yourself and the record. We wish you the best of luck. People, you can buy tickets for the shows. Buy tickets. Buy merch. Get the vinyl. I forget what the sides were called, but <laughs> both sides are good. <laughs> I don't even think you can you can say them. It's just like the triple tilde is supposed to be a wash, and then the slashes are the slashes are like one of one, like one slash one. Yeah. Oh shit! Because I was gonna call it that, and then Bon Iver put out the I comma I record, and I was like, ah shit! Like, guess I gotta think of something else. That that (laughs) conniving, stealing son of a bitch. Yeah, he hacked my computer. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Vernon. Write something prick. original, Bony Bear. Yeah. <laughs> stop being stop mooching off everybody. Stop mooching off Taylor Swift, Bonnie Bear. All you care about some money, Bonnie Bear. Come on. I'm just kidding. Bonnie Bear's awesome. Yeah, please. We'd love to interview you. Ask Carrie. Come on the show. Come on. Ask Carrie. Do All it. Right. Uh Noah, sorry. That, it's like, <laughs> it's such a bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, let me keep talking. <laughs> thanks so much. We really yeah. yeah, thanks for having me. You know, his speaking voice wasn't actually that boring. (laughs) (laughs) So, surprise. Surprise. (laughs) Big surprise. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, so that was our interview with Noah Weinman of Runner. We really appreciated him taking the time to join us. And he was so gracious with his answers and his time. Honestly, just one of the best guys super pleasant to talk to and we just really enjoyed the interview and i'm sure you guys did as well so reach out to him thank him for taking that time um uh to join the podcast we hope you guys enjoyed it if you did you can go ahead and subscribe to the podcast that way you see all the other podcasts that we'll have coming out with with artists um like like runner um or in the same kind of indie space artists that just need to be uh listened to more because they're doing amazing music um you can also find us on social media you can find us at twitter and on instagram at ldl pod and you can also email us if you have anything you'd like to email us about um you can email us at long distance listening at gmail.com uh let us know what you liked what you didn't like uh just anything that you feel like is worth worth an email we love uh we love emails because no one uses them anymore so so thanks for listening and have a great day
Thomas. 